no one's still eating turkey? Well, I'll be dead soon. Let me ask you about your Thanksgiving. Did anybody did anybody have a, a wild turkey this year, one that you'd went out and gobbled down and hunted and, and put on the table? Did anybody have a wild turkey? Has anyone here ever hunted a turkey anywhere other than besides Reesers? Anybody? I got, I got a couple guys. Any, anybody here raised on a farm? Has anyone ever butchered their own turkey? There you go. There you go. Well, now for y'all, y'all, do you remember, you know, the Native Americans, the Indians, they had, they had a name for those feathers that were on the back side of the wing that they, they used to help make their arrows with. Do you remember the name, what they called those feathers? At about 30, he was baptized and he began a three-year ministry that would change the world forever. He lived without a stain of sin upon him, yet he was exposed to every temptation common to all men. And even in the flesh, he triumphed over sin. He came to reconcile fallen man with a perfect God by the way of grace and sacrifice. His teaching took an impersonal God of the Jews and turned him into a compassionate, personal God who would stop at nothing to cleanse mankind of the sin that covered them. Jesus took the Jewish God of ritual out of the temple and scattered Him within the hearts of all men who would but receive that gift. His teaching is the very definition of truth and justice. His dedication to love is not even within the grasp of the human mind. And while while we may not be able to conceive it, we have been given the opportunity to experience it. For no greater love is there than this, that a man lay down his life for his friend. It had long been acknowledged through the law, that there could be no forgiveness of sin without the spilling of blood. And it was for this reason that Moses had taken the branch of the hyssop tree and had splattered blood upon the children of Israel. 
And while his actions fulfilled the requirements of the law, it could not permanently deal with sin. And so the spilling of blood had to continue thousands upon thousands of times over many hundreds of years. Only the blood of innocence could deal once and for all with the consequences of sin. So for about three years, he, he taught about love and self-sacrifice in terms that the world had never before imagined. And then when the time was right, he revealed the full nature of his love by his sacrifice on the cross. The blood he spilled at Calvary is the blood of our atonement and our only path to be reconciled with the Holy God. His innocent blood freely offered up on the cross is our only path to eternal life. But God has not asked us to place our hope in the hands of a dead man, because on the third day, God raised Jesus from the grave as proof of His power over death. His resurrection is our proof of the promise. And even though He no longer walks in the flesh, we have not been left as orphans to the powers of this world. He remains with us in spirit. And should we choose to listen and obey, He will teach us and guide us into all manner of righteousness. Every day of our lives are planned out in advance to benefit the kingdom of God. Should we choose to surrender our lives and follow Him in all things. And even while His Spirit lives within each of His followers, Jesus today sits at the right hand of God the Father in heaven. And there He prepares mansions in paradise for those who choose to belong to Him. Amen? Amen. And so for many, the Gospel ends right there with a loving and compassionate Jesus who has laid down his life for the sins of the world and now labors in heaven to build mansions for all of his children. We marvel at the teachings he brought us. He ministered to the world in the flesh. We take comfort in the spirit of hope and guidance that has that He has caused to live within each of us today. And while I stand convicted of every detail I have shared with you so far this morning, I want to remind everybody that the gospel does not end there. Today, I want to talk about the rest of the story. Jesus Christ is coming back. Amen. Turn with me to Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 7. And I'll give you just a moment to get there. Acts 
Jesus said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by His own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be My witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After He said this, He was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid Him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you have seen him go into heaven. And so clearly the angel is saying, just don't stand there and look up. Jesus gave you a job to do. Get on with it. Because soon He's coming back. Often, oftentimes we as Christians prefer not to look beyond the four Gospels of Jesus Christ because it is there that we are comforted by His grace and His forgiveness. We take our hope In His promise of eternal life, we appreciate the way that He loved and He cared for people. And we look forward to eternity in paradise. Somewhere in our discourse, we need to tell the world the truth about a Jesus who's coming back. I want you to imagine this morning a scenario where the teenager has been left at home and mom and dad are out of town for a week or two and the beds are unmade and the dishes have piled up in the sink. Dirty clothes are all over the house. Of course, the teenager is propped there on the couch watching the TV and an older sibling comes over to the house. And he sees the condition of mom and dad's house and he knows they're not home. And so he tells his younger sibling about how much mom and dad love him. And about all the blessings that mom and dad have provided for him in his life. Do you suppose that will prompt the teenager into action? He'll probably tell his older sibling... Mind your own business. Mom and dad left me in charge. I'll take care of this. But what if that, what if that sibling had not dropped by to tell him what he needed to do? But let's just say that older brother had dropped by to say, I got a call from mom and dad this morning and they're coming home to surprise you. They're on the way home right now. Do you suppose that would prompt some action? Oh, I believe it would. Yes, we need to tell the world that Jesus loves them. And we need to remind the world of all the blessings that God has provided them in their lives. 
But sometimes the message that they really need is, He's coming back! And you better be ready! Because Jesus Christ is coming back. They need to know that He's not coming this time as a helpless baby in a manger. He will not come as the compassionate teacher or the sacrifice for sin. This time He'll come in all of His heavenly glory as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The time for forgiveness will have passed. And as Jesus returns, He will come as the supreme judge. Our picture of His coming is found in the book of Revelation in the 19th chapter. Starts there in verse 11. I saw heaven standing open. And there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe, dripped in blood, and in His name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven are following Him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of His mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has this name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. No baby in a manger this time. When Jesus comes again, he comes with both the authority And the power to deliver the long overdue final judgment and wrath of a holy God. Reading on in Revelation, then I saw a great white throne. And him who was seated on it, earth and sky fled from his presence and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead great and small, standing before the throne. And books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what he had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. This is a picture of the Messiah. More like what the Jewish people were expecting in the first century when Jesus came as a suffering servant. They were looking for a Messiah of judgment and wrath, but they received a servant of love and sacrifice. Many today are expecting the return 
of that servant of love and sacrifice. But our Bibles clearly tell us when he comes back, it will be as the conquering king, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. We focus on eternal life in paradise, but we need to tell this dying world not only about a Jesus who came with forgiveness and grace, but we also need to tell them about a Jesus who's yet to come. The conquering king who's coming to judge the world because he is coming back. And if you tell the world that he's coming back, first question's always the same, isn't it? When? When is he coming? In Acts chapter 1, the apostles asked Jesus the same question. And his reply should be our own. It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. After Jesus told them that they were not to know, then he told them what they were to do. They would receive the Spirit, and then they were to be His witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And we likewise are not to spend our lives asking when, but instead, once we are His and we have received His Spirit within us, we are to witness to the ends of the earth the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And while no man or even Jesus knows the date or time, we are not left entirely without clues. In 2 Timothy, we're given a glimpse of what the state of mankind will be in those final days. Paul, writing to Timothy, gives him this warning. He tells him, but mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24, the apostles once again ask Jesus about the end of the age. And He warns them not to be deceived because He tells them that many will come claiming to be the Christ. He warns them not to be deceived by those who will say that the Christ is over here or over there because when Jesus does return, it will be as lightning that comes in the east is also visible in the west. That's how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. He tells them that the sun will be darkened at that time and the moon will no longer give its light. Stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. He goes on to tell them at that time the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky 
and all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds with power and great glory. And He will send His angels with a loud trumpet call. And they will gather His elect from the four winds from one end of the heavens to the other. And then He says this. Now learn this from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near, right at the door. Many theologians believe that the fig tree being referred to in this passage is the nation of Israel. And within the lifetime of many people in this room, that fig tree has once again bloomed in the desert. It happened in 1948 as the nation of Israel was reborn. How many nations on earth have disappeared down through history? How many peoples, once they were wiped out, have ever been reborn? Where now are the Hittites? Where are the Moabites? The Gibeonites? The Canaanites conquered and vanquished from the earth, extinct and unknown, never to rise again. What other nation once destroyed and carried into captivity time and time again would survive through the ages to be reborn in these last days? Only Israel. We sing it every, every so often, but do we really believe it? Soon and very soon, we are going to see the King. Yes, soon and very soon, we are going to see the King. Jesus Christ is coming back. And no, I don't know when it's going to be. But I believe it will be soon and very soon. In describing the end times, the book of Daniel says that at that time, travel and knowledge will be increased. My grandparents lived a portion of their lives without electricity or indoor plumbing. Much has Men had lived for thousands of years. But in this last hundred years, knowledge and technology have exploded beyond all imagination of the people that lived before us. Because of that explosion in knowledge and technology, we can do things never before dreamed of. I can have breakfast in Los Angeles lunch in New York, dinner in London, all in a single day. It's not, it's not a fantasy, it's reality, and it's, 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 in, it's, it's within the grasp of everybody in this room who will just take out a little plastic card out of your pocket and let them swipe it through that thing and they'll give you some tickets and you can go. As a young man, I watched them put an astronaut on the moon and take travel 
into an entirely new frontier. I don't know how much time is left, but I do know that when he returns, time itself will literally be no more. Jesus said as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage up to the day that Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That's how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a hand mill. One will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day our Lord will come. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what time, what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch, and he would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect Him. He will come like a thief in the night. And we have to tell the world to get ready because He's coming. Jesus Christ is coming back. And at that time when He comes, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. But for many it will be too late. At that time the heavens And the earth will be shaken, the sky will be rolled back, heaven will be opened, and Jesus will descend to judge both the living and the dead. And those whose names are written in the book of life will spend eternity with Jesus in paradise. But those whose names are not written in the book of life will be cast into the lake of fire that was created for Satan and his demons there to be tormented forever and forever. And that, my friends, is the rest of the story. The rest of the Gospel. This morning, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, we don't know how much time is left. But I do know this morning that you can step out into that aisle And you can walk forward and come up here and look at these people and profess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And you have this this morning the opportunity to step into eternal life. And so as the invitation is sung, if you don't know Him as your personal Lord and Savior, I would ask that you take this opportunity to make Him the Lord of your life. Amen.